everybody, this is No Chipotle Moments, and I am your co-host, Remy. And I'm your other co-host, B. And this is our Supernatural Watchcast, and this week we are discussing Season 15, Episode... Oh god, where's my notes? Oh no! 16! Season 15, Episode 16, Drag Me Away From You. I don't know how to properly put the inflections on the parentheses, but do you think I nailed it there, B? Well, I'm like, you have to sing it. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I can do is interpret this title as song lyrics. So I'm no use telling you how well you did. You did fine. And this is Africa, right? Yes. Toto. Toto. Oh, Toto. Yes. This was an episode written by Megan Fitzmartin and directed by Amon Cotterale. The description for this episode reads, Sam and Dean are asked to investigate the murder of a childhood friend, calling them back to a motel from their past and perplexing the brothers with a case they thought was solved a long time ago. Yes, so we are getting a little glimpse back in time with the Weechesters. <laughs> the Weechesters. I, 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 I was so torn on this because you know there, there. It's also it's always such a gift, like character wise, um, to to get that glimpse into the past. Yes. But- for Sam and Dean uh, but I was just so in love with the previous actors um, yeah for for the Weechesters um, that that I was I was pretty disappointed that they were casting n- new actors for for the um, Tiny Sam and Tiny Dean roles, but I'm like, okay, no, 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 that's not fair. That's not fair. We gotta get, we gotta, we we, we gotta see how this how this pans out. Hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, child actors continue to grow. Old. I know. Bullshit. How dare they? <laughs> but yeah, we don't have what's his name, Dylan Everett and Colin Ford. Yeah, they're you nailed they're it. All grown up. Look mm-hmm. at that. I know shit. <laughs> yeah so instead um we are diving in with a couple new characters so this first scene we have this character travis he's checking into the rooster's sunrise motel and he's requesting a specific room room 214 I, uh, I i thought it was rooster's sundries hotel motel maybe Maybe I'm just dyslexic. No, we'll go with Sunrise. You you got to be. I mean, neither one terribly rolls off the tongue, but we're we're, we're working with what we can. Uh, and we open the scene with some like uh, kind of cheery, kind of uh morose uh, like that makes any sense. Uh 50s music. <laughs> uh, uh, and and I'm like, okay, all right. Just from the soundtrack alone, you know shit's about to go down. That song, it's the very first song that plays in Shawshank Redemption. Oh. Ask me how I know this. But as soon as it started playing, I was like viscerally brought back. I'm like, I'm watching Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> and like, 
he's going to stumble drunk towards his house. Oh my god. So like it took me a second to get into this, but I love that song. It's like you say, it's it's a little melancholy even though it's also a little romantic. Mhm. Mhm. Uh, no, I as soon as I heard I heard that I was like, "All right, all right, all right, we're going to get weird." <laughs> but room 214. Yes, per the doctor's orders. And he seems nervous, but he's assuring himself that he can do this. He has alcohol with him. He takes a drink. Mm. He has a ring on his necklace. And he also gets a text from a person named Caitlin, who we find out is his sister, asking, like, why would you want to go back there type thing. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. this is all setting the mood. He is, like we said, he seems pretty nervous and he's telling himself reason. he's telling himself like it, it wasn't real you're it's fine it's fine none of it was real yeah it's, it's very obvious that he's here for a reason yes yes even though we're kind of sitting here okay dude if this freaks you out so much why mm-hmm. and yeah for a good reason too because the closet behind him creaks open and then this creepy child steps out and we find out it's himself he is so freaked out that he drops his bottle of alcohol it smashes and the spirit ends up using that broken bottle to slit travis's throat that 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 child was fucking creepy too (laughs) they did a great job taking these child actors and were like we want to cause nightmares in adults. And the kids were like, sign me the fuck up. I mean, the, the flip up. Uh, right, right, right. And did you know that Travis is named after Travis McElroy, a podcaster no. and super fan of the show? Yeah. No. Yeah. On Twitter last night, like on Thursday, Travis was like, I see the character's name and is it named after me? And Megan wrote back saying, yep. So we have kind of the word of God telling us that this is a McElroy machination. Oh my God. If if only Travis could have been Travis. I know, hey? (laughs) I know, hey? No, you know what? Travis should have been the motel clerk who was taking that bong hit in the storage closet. I think he would have done a great job as that role, yeah. So, I mean, this is our six degree of separation for him and the show. At least there's that. I love it. I love Mm -hmm. it. Thank you, Megan. Yes, thank you. So... We end on that tragic note for Travis, <laughs> and we cut to Sam and Dean on the road. They're traveling to attend Travis's funeral, and they're reminiscing a bit about the time that they spent back in the day with him at the hotel. Motel. Yeah, yeah. But Dean is pushing back on it a little bit. Like, why are, like, why are we doing this? It's yeah, This is not a good time, to put it mildly. Uh, we have Jack waiting on final orders from Billy any day now. Um, and, like, yeah, I know that Travis is an old friend, but he's a... He's an old, old friend. Like, I haven't seen him in 25 years, old friend. Yeah. 
And like there are hunters whose funerals we never attended. So mm-hmm. this is a little bit strange for us. Mm-hmm. And by the way, it sounds like suicide. So right. it's, we're, we're getting an impression of what they know, which is this sounds like a tragic death. And his sister, Caitlin, is pressing for them to come. Mm-hmm. And we also know they say they kind of have time to kill until Chuck returns. Like there's no plan that they can put into motion until Chuck is back. So why not go and at least attend this funeral at Caitlin's behest? Yeah. And one thing and one thing that Sam also said was um, in response to Dean saying, you know, we've we've missed bigger funerals for less. Uh Sam says, yeah, but this is, this is different. And I can only assume that what he was feeling in that moment was that this was an experience that was very formative for, um, for them for as young as they were. Yeah. Cause if you think about the timeline, as we'll see, like they haven't really been hunters at this point Mm -hmm. there. Dean is maybe 13. Sam is like, oh my God, I'm doing math. Like eight. What? So, so Sam was born in 84? 83. 83. So Sam was born in 83. So he's 10, let's no, say. No, he's nine because it's January, it's January 1993. You're right. You're right. Oh, math. Why? Did- <laughs> yeah. 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 I dragged you into it kicking and screaming, B. So, <laughs> so let's say, yeah, yeah, not between you know nine and ten, and then thirteen, fourteen. Um, mm-hmm. There, but like the thing is, is they haven't gone hunting, and mm-hmm. this is also probably the first civilians that they've ever broke the news of the supernatural to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also hear that Sam is a little unclear on why Cass is out and about. He asks if Dean and him had a fight, but Dean's like, no, it's just Cass being Cass. And we get a hint, or at least it's revealed to us that Dean hasn't shared the contents of their cliffhanger conversation from last episode. Sam doesn't know about it yet. Yes, as soon, as soon as uh, Sam said you know and, and man that's weird with Cass right I was like oh Dean <laughs> Dean what you doing Dean because yeah it, it becomes very obvious very fast and that he has not shared with uh Sam what D- uh Cass divulged to him on you know why he was going to look for another way uh, and, and then, and even then Dean gets a text in this moment and he pulls out his phone. Sam rightfully berates him mm-hmm. for, for looking at his phone while driving. But we see a text from Cass that says, have you told Sam yet? Which obviously not. Yeah. Like you mentioned the texting while driving thing. And I'm like, this whole episode is uh, like about character growth i'm like yeah look back at like the early seasons when they would just be texting the whole fucking time and now we finally have them rightfully being like hey that's super dangerous do you know how many people die so i'm like growth gold star for sam Mm -hmm. 
So we have set the board at least when it comes to that piece of information. So uh, what 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 was your first thought though? What 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 is your first inclination as to why why is Dean lying here? My impression was kind of online with what we'll see show up, which was essentially. Dean was reluctant to break the news about how Jack's role in destroying Chuck and Amara will result in his death. He didn't want to say because he already knows Cass's opinion on it and he suspects Sam's because Sam has rightfully be kind of doubtful and questioning this whole way. And I think that Dean is like, I need to keep the allies. I need to keep everyone on board. And we just need to knuckle through this. So he didn't want to tell Sam essentially until it was too late, is my impression. That's funny because my first thought here, knowing that we were going to um, have some sort of conversation between Dean and Billy this episode, just from the previews. Yeah. uh, My first thought was that Dean wanted to first confront Billy on his own about it to get, um, yeah, just to, just to, um, you know, have that one-on-one with her to, to challenge her on, on what's happened here. Um, but uh, imagine, imagine my, um, uh, chagrin. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what happened. So, but that's what I, that's what I thought. I thought that, you know, we ended last episode on, I'm going to find another way. And we like, and, and, and we now know that Cass did, you know, share why, um, and, and, you know, optimistically, I thought that Dean was trying to, um, have a conversation with Billy about it before he committed to anything. Yeah. 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 Like if he could sort it out with Billy before he had to break the news to Sam, then he could save Sam some grievance. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Surprise! No. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah. So I thought it was yeah. really interesting. It, it it perked my ears up definitely because yeah, like like we 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 were told many times for this episode like um, we don't lie to each other anymore or there's no use in lying. Um, I, secrets are not your friend. Uh, so then I'm like, okay, what's gonna well, like why what what's mm-hmm. what's the game plan here? Mm-hmm. And I think uh, having last week's episode in mind and then being able to watch this one, the conversation between Dean and Amara last week about his rage and like just this pursuit of revenge that ends so poisonously, I think that it's going to have a key position in the final four episodes. Like we, I'm assuming we're not actually going to kill Chuck and Amara. I think that we are going to find another way. I'm questioning the hypothesis of, you know, having Chuck and Amara reunite and then kind of be neutralized of their influence in the world. But 
to that end, it would also rely on Dean to give up his anger, to give up his need for revenge. And I can see that as being a really rewarding character arc for him, like all the way back to the tail end of season 14, how he's been so motivated by grief and anger and using that to fuel him that I feel like Amara and his conversation last week really kind of painted a bullseye around the fact that that has to change. When we get there, I would really love to uh, hear you talk to what new information we learned this episode that made you question, then question that hypothesis, like you said, that the other way is going to be um, not killing God and Amara, but neutralizing them with that with that unity that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess the long and short of that is, is I think that the show has evolved beyond, beyond kill the bad guy and ha- live happily ever after. Like, I feel like that was what we were seeing with Swan Song. But I feel like in the 10 years that have happened from there, we're moved towards a more internal struggle. And the internal fight, at least for Dean's part right now, is how to let go of that rage, that fury that is fueling him. Because we've seen that be a strong character point and being treated as this negative that he needs to overcome. So with those things in mind, I think chicken or the egg the idea that Dean letting go of his anger is his character art lends me to think Chuck is not going to be killed, that there's going to be some other way. Oh, no, definitely. Definitely. That all tracks. But but you said you said that you you weren't so sure that the um, that that God Amara unity uh, that Amara alluded to on their, you know, their quote unquote birth into the universe um, where they split and you were thinking that if they unite once again to be one, then that would be the, the neutralization of those powers. Mm -hmm. Um, That would be an alternative to their deaths. So Mm -hmm. I, I, you said that you weren't so sure on it. Um, I felt pretty good from it last week. I think it was more, this episode gave me certainty about, Dean's character development Mm -hmm. arc as we're going to see it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, yes, that tracks. Yes. So, yeah, we have the foundation being laid here that we know Dean is lying to Sam and we know Cass is dodging Sam's phone calls (laughs) because he's waiting. He's waiting. Dean said he's going to handle it and they're showing trust, division of labor. Mm-hmm. We'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. All right. They arrive at the motel and they are staring at the outside of it, kind of reflecting on how weird it feels to be back. But Dean seems to be, between the two of them, he's particularly reluctant to be here. Yes, definitely. And them, you know, getting out uh, to enter the hotel here in 2020 transitions straight into 1993 Mm -hmm. 
John has dropped them off, presumably to fend for themselves while he goes and does a case. And Dean is lamenting how he wished he could go with his dad. And he says that he was babysitting Sam at Sam's age. And he essentially is like, Sam, you could be left alone. Like, I want to be out where the action is. Nine years old. Yeah. Sam's age. I mean, very much a latchkey kid, Dean was. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately... yeah it's not great even sam is like i'm pretty sure that's illegal like (laughs) oh but when did they ever worry about legality right dean's like whatever let's just get inside and Mm -hmm. uh and in going inside you know sam just wants to go to the room dean wants to go exploring um but uh Sam seems to be shielding something in his jacket. Like, I just want to go to the room. Um, I guess to read his book, which Dean then notices and he wrestles uh, this this uh, paperback away from Sam, which is the 1991's uh, American College Guide. Uh, and then Dean has some things to say. Yeah. So Sam stole this from the last motel that they were at, and Dean is teasing him for chasing the normal life. Like, he's saying that, come on, you're never going to get that, you know? I doubt you'd even get into a college since we barely go to school as it is. This is our life, is the message that Dean is really pushing here. Right, right. And... And yeah, he harps on that, you know, like, you're not normal, we're not going to be normal. So there, I think that there were two interesting things here. Um, In one thing that Dean says, uh, we barely even go to school. So if you think places like that are even going to think about letting in a dumbass like you, then come on, man. I'm yeah, like, wake that up. Was, that was that was odd. That was that was weird to me because that that seems to be a departure from um the teasing that we've seen from a young dean previously where, you know, he calls Sam a nerd and um you know, too smart for his own good and um and and we've seen him even younger, like I'm thinking of bad boys, just proud, showing a pride for how um, bad smart. Bad older. Well, he's older, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was, it's still a young Dean, right? So it's like it's <laughs> just a pride in how smart he thinks that kid is. And I, I know that in Bad Boys he is a a few years older, but. It was different enough from the, like I said, the tone of the teasing that we've heard from Dean before in these young, young Winchester flashbacks that it really read very, very strongly to me as projecting. Yeah. What I took from him saying that was this is maybe the first time he's really been broached by the thought of his brother wanting to go off to college. I mean, the kid's nine. It's not like Dean has really been dwelling on what's happening a decade from now. Mm -hmm. And so to have been hit with that knowledge, I think his reaction was to be very brusque and to shut it down. Like, that was just his knee-jerk response, that 
he wasn't thinking about how smart his brother is and how he could potentially do it. I think he knew Sam could potentially do it, and he wanted to dissuade Sam from ever thinking along that road. Yeah, yeah, which is, which that, you know, uh, like, you know, even if you could go to college, you you can't go to college. We have too many other responsibilities. That's not our life. Um, That note has been a thread through almost literally every uh, uh, previous scene we've gotten over the past 15 years for their younger selves. Uh, so, so that was definitely consistent. It was just, it was just that like how, how brisk he was, you know, like you said, Mm -hmm. that, that threw me off a little bit. And the second thing that I thought was weird about the conversation I can't remember (laughs) (laughs) I said two things I said two things and I committed to it and then I dropped the ball so that's um (laughs) what was it I it was (laughs) if you think of it later for by all means bring it up because when we get to a couple other Weechester scenes maybe that'll pull it from your memory logs Oh my gosh. And speaking of, you know, what's the norm for these Weechester conversations, college, something consistently brought up. I thought it was a little weird that like nine-year-old Sam is like, I'm, I'm going to look at the, the, the college guides, <laughs> but yeah, but I guess we're being told he's smart enough to be thinking that far ahead. Like yeah and 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 also like um um uh, college has always been um uh, uh an analogy for the you know the normal life yeah. between them uh that's always been the one to one and you know on the normal life it, that's that's the thing that is another constant through uh the Weechester conversations like dean saying we're not normal putting his foot down on that why would you want to be normal uh and then sam always bucking against that uh mm-hmm. but there was i, I cannot I, i'm sorry i cannot for the life of me remember what i thought i was going to say about that but um just something about this conversation did feel a little off kilter from what we've heard the tone of what we've heard from their like dynamic previously so okay (laughs) yes yes i'll shut i'll shut up now (laughs) um so we follow sam up to the motel room and he is unpacking his duffel bag and he sets a knife and gun beside this college book so we are given the metaphor right there of normal life versus hunter life Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Dean, meanwhile, is snooping around, like you said. He spies a vending machine. Um, he exploits a defect in it to get a free candy bar out of it. And two kids happen to see this behind him. Yeah, and this is the first that we see, hey, little creepy ghost kid is Travis? Yeah. Okay. And, like, living also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Key point there. <laughs> we have Caitlin and Travis who are keen to learn what Dean used on the vending machine. Um, They're kids of a staff member here, and they have time to kill. And so 
Caitlin also kind of wins Dean's favor here by knowing car models because she drops like Knight Rider in comparison to the Impala and Dean is quite affronted, but she seems to be like pleased with her sly move there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I know cars. I Yeah. I'm cool. We're cool. Hi, Aries. Oh, Aries. Oh, Aries. Aries. Look at my hands here. Look at I made a cave out of a blanket. Oh no, we don't like it. So we cut to modern day. Sam and Dean are meeting Caitlin at this diner. And Caitlin confesses to lying about the funeral to get them here to investigate Travis's death. She says Travis had a rocky life. She got therapy. And part of this therapy was going and doing immersion at the hotel And she seems to think that this immersion is what killed him, trying to face his fears in 214. Yeah, and she doesn't feel like the immersion therapy was good for him, um, but she also um, confesses that she doesn't think that he killed himself. Yeah, that he was doing better until he abruptly got worse. And she narrates this flashback about the thing that supposedly killed Travis. He was the first targeted by them. And it seems to be this scary woman slash ghost that was in the vending machine. (laughs) He had an unreal vision of this vending Uh machine that broke when Caitlin and Dean came running to help him. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's back. And then. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Uh. And I guess we don't get to see Sam and Dean's um, response to that because next we're just in the hotel room. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We had an idea of what happened to him. So we go to the present room 214. Sam's EMF reader is quiet. Dean is reading the coroner report and they're saying all in all, nothing seems supernatural in this case. It's just flat out suicide. Yeah, the coroner's report is pretty cut and dry. Travis's fingers, fingerprints were all over the whiskey bottle. I'm like, Dean, <laughs> Dean, you from you, from you, Dean. Okay, I, I read this thing that people came up with. People who don't know the supernatural, and they seem to think there's no supernatural, and I believe them. <laughs> like, right. Dean. Oh boy. Oh boy. So, but, but yeah, they're really just trying to be sympathetic, uh, to Caitlin's, um, loss. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, but, but they're, but I don't know. They're both reluctant to consider the possibility that she is back and we're still completely just like, we don't really know what's happened yet. Um, yeah, but but they they're brushing it off like remarkably easy, easily for people who hunt the supernatural for a living. Well, I'll say to that, like Sam seems at least to be trying to gather evidence. Like he's looking for hex bags. He's looking for EMF. And he's saying the evidence doesn't support this. Whereas Dean is just flat out like, nope, 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 nope. This isn't a case. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he says, I killed it. Yeah, he's just confident about this. And we flash back again to room 214. This time, Travis is afraid as a child 
like he's told the story. He doesn't think that they believe him. But Sam and Dean spill the beans on monsters to kind of reassure him. And they pull Caitlin on board with this too. And we find out Dean has left a message with Bobby for John to get back to, but he's a couple days out. So they're essentially on their own on this case. Yeah. And, uh, and that's when Caitlin says, wait, you called your dad? Why? Because, you know, Caitlin's just trying to calm down her brother, but she definitely doesn't actually, you know, believe that he saw something. But Dean steps up and he says, uh, you say that you saw a monster and I believe you. He shares a, shares a look with, uh, Sam, uh, and, and they get the, no, we should, we should tell them nod. Uh, and and then Dean says, like, this is what we do. Monsters are real. We hunt them. This is the family business. And we can help. This is what we do. Yes. And so they start asking, you know, is there anything weird going on in this town? They're looking for clues. And so Caitlin takes them to a vigil for three children that have gone missing in the last couple months. The latest of which went missing last week. Yep. Yep. And, and yeah, from that fence that had the missing persons uh, flyers, we come back to the present day. And this is where Dean says, that thing, I killed it. I'm sorry, but this just, what happened, happened. It's a horrible thing, but it happened. Yeah. Um, and so, and so this is where, this is where, like, I'm like, apparently you guys don't even know what it is, this thing. Uh, so, so I'm still looking for the story on why they're so sure that. Yeah. Um, where's this confidence coming from? Right, right. And even is. Caitlin is, like, accusing him of being different like you've changed and it's implied not for the better because you Mm -hmm. believed us back then so how come you are being so stonewalled now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and this is foreshadowing uh this is dean taking that hardline stance um he's just saying uh this is this is what i know this is what I believed uh and I don't and I don't really I don't really feel like budging on it so yeah like he says it only preys on kids so have any kids gone missing or are they dead in the area and Caitlin's like no and he's like see boom I've killed the thing that's it yeah there you go yeah so from this we go back to a flashback the four kids settle into a stock of newspapers and they're cross-referencing the last known locations of the missing kids onto a paper map. And they come up with this abandoned cannery that is a building nearby to all of the locations. Right, right. Abandoned warehouse? Dean is just like, yep, all right. If I had a gun, I'd be cocking it right here, right now. Yep, zero questions I'm going in. And he even says, like, I have a gun. I have a knife. I'm ready to go in and investigate this all on my own. And Sam protests. He wants to go along. But Dean tells him to stay here. And almost condescendingly, he adds, be normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. The 
um definitely he got a jab in there like he, he he both like when sam says that he wants to come my first impression when dean just immediately is like no no you're saying here that was protectiveness but yes. then he did trail into a bitterness there yeah because I, yeah yeah i think when sam couldn't convince him to stay then sam wanted to go as backup like if i can't protect you by staying home then i'm going to protect you by going with and then that's where dean a he's not going to let that but b he's going to throw shade at sam about that because hey i thought you wanted out of this life is kind of the implication behind his words I, I I also read it as, um, no, I need you to stay here. I need you to be safe. But then kind of a, like, a, not a sadness, but um, um, he he's not happy that he doesn't have someone to go with him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Even though Caitlin is saying that she wants to go with. But Dean is adamant, reminding them that he's the only one who has actually been on a hunt. So... All of y'all stay back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we cut to the cannery. Dean is attempting to pick a lock, and Caitlin sneaks up behind him. And he- Dean seems really jumpy, and Caitlin refuses to leave, so Dean allows her to follow behind him into this building. Yep, yep. You seem tense. Are you sweating? Mm-hmm. Are you scared, Dean? I mean, Caitlin very obviously... I don't know if she's intentionally trying to lighten the mood or if she still thinks it's all bullshit, but she's very, you know, defiant to anything that Dean is trying to tell her to do. Uh, and, and also trying to try, like I said, tr- kind of trying to ease the tension a bit. Yeah. I'd say she's listening to what. Dean has told her to do, but she's also pushing at the boundaries. Like, I think they're just kids, you know? She doesn't know how to take this seriously. So mm-hmm. she's in this building and she's saying, oh, it's gross. You know, it's dark. She is, I mean, it's a kid thing. You mm-hmm. sneak into a spooky place and then you rib each other over who seems the most scared. And the thing is, is that we know Dean being scared has a different meaning than a civilian being scared because of the knowledge Dean has with these type of things, even though he's just a kid and doesn't have a full breadth of experience with hunts just yet. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So... At the same time, at the motel, baby Sam and Travis are playing Haunted Boggle together. (laughs) Sam is reassuring Travis that Dean can handle things. They'll be fine. And as Dean goes to check out this pile of detritus that he finds in this cannery, um, Sam and Travis's Haunted Boggle game is giving them some pretty terrible phrases to write down. And and how did how did you take this? Do you think that they were being compelled to write those words, or was it a hallucination? Or 
I feel like there was probably a hallucination bit to it because as a kid just sitting there writing down, Sam, kill you now, Travis, dead, death, kill you now. I'd like, even as a kid, I don't know if those are the words I'd be hunting out or in that order. So the implication to me, I mean, hand wave story magic, but also kids fears are afoot and these seem like something that would ramp up those fears. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One thing that just um was unclear to me in this case is was it you know was it all hallucinations or was there an actual like influence happening? Was there a compulsion that mm-hmm. that th- this monster was imposing on her victims? Yeah, I guess my interpretation. And again, like you say, we're not explicitly told this, but I took it as if you fell under her sway, like if the illusions convinced you, then she had stronger influence over your actions as well. Mm -hmm. So the deeper you wandered in, the more fucked you were. Yeah, 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 that, that makes sense to me. So yeah, Dean... He has told Caitlin to stay back while he goes and snoops through this pile of, it looks like there's baseball hat kind of kids belongings. And he comes out of it with a motel key in hand. It's the same motel that they're staying at. And not only that, but he seems frightened by something he's observed off screen in the pile. He's like jumping back from it. And he tells Caitlin he didn't see anything and he quickly ushers her ushers her away yeah yeah but she's saying what 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 is it what did you see what did you see he's bodily blocking her and yeah and and like you said ushering her out of of this this room in this situation yeah and it's like the line again between what would be normal kid pranks versus a very serious matter I mean, it would be within the realm of kids being like, oh, what did you see? Oh, I found this really gross. Like, I found a dead snake. Oh, gross. Want to show it to each other? And this is not at all what is happening. So Mm. Caitlin just, it's not clicking for her, but Dean is in this whole other space with what's happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At the motel, the Boggle game shudders on the table. Then it explodes out into the room. Sam and Travis are left in the dark and Travis is attacked by this hag emerging from the shadows. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And then at that moment, Dean and Caitlin burst into the room. Uh, Travis is being held down by the witch-y figure. Uh, and Dean takes out his knife, takes a swipe at the hag, and chops her fingers off, which I thought I thought we did that last week, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> that that was very much more mechanical. He <laughs> <laughs> he takes a swipe at her, catches her hand. Um, and one thing that I did notice is that. Uh, this this witch was wearing a ring, a pretty mm-hmm. familiar ring. Yes. So her fingers and this ring fall to the ground. Dean stabs her. And I think that this is the thing that he takes as, you know, I killed her. She dusts, disappears, mm-hmm. and then this red ring is left behind. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm still like, Dean, why 25 years later would you assume that you killed the thing? Like, you don't know what it was. It's just gone. I know, hey? And like, you wouldn't have any experience of, okay, is that just a disappearing or is that dying? Like, right, right. Just because it ghosted doesn't mean necessarily that it's gone. Right, but- right. Dean, where's that where's that hunting expertise that we saw from you last week? He's a baby. No, but now, the in the here and now, where he's like, no, no, I killed it. I got a psychological block. It's the memory <laughs> hole. I shove things down into it. <laughs> the memory hole, though. The opposite of a mind castle. Yeah, it's a one-way shoot into Garbage City in, like, Repressionville. <laughs> okay, so, so, uh, so Dean is still, you know, we, we've now seen what happened. Um, they have no evidence that this was anything other, other than a suicide. And uh, we cut then to Dean walking down the hallway uh, at the motel he passes by the vending machine that you know obviously uh uh was memories memories <laughs> and uh as he turns down the long hallway to his room he sees some a figure at the opposite end of the hallway yes there is this ghost of his past self at the hall's end And the figure rapidly approaches, electricity crackling overhead, and it says that it's been waiting for him. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's saying that Dean's failed, and a knife appears in Dean's hand, and he falls to his knees as the ghost is saying, say hi to Travis. And Dean is bringing that knife to his own gut, uh, like mm-hmm. he, you know, like Travis, he's going to um kill himself at the you know he's compelled uh yeah to to kill himself by this being um but then Sam uh comes in to the scene behind Dean and sees Dean kneeling in the hallway. He obviously can't see what Dean is seeing, but then Sam calling Dean Dean's name seems to snap him out of it. He looks down at his hands. The knife was never there. Um, and now he knows that Caitlin was right. Yeah. Oh, shit. Like, I finally have evidence <laughs> that I can't deny. And so we cut to him... The three of them are out for drinks and Dean is apologizing to her and admits that he just didn't want to believe her. And he seems upset that he failed like that 27 years ago and that Travis is now dead because of that. Right, right. And, um, and, you know, Caitlin is just... Caitlin just wants to put this behind her. She, she, she's obviously relieved that her brother didn't actually kill himself, but now she's fearful that this thing, whatever it is, is back. So Sam is saying, okay, we need to, we need to figure out what this is. Um, we need to, we need a rundown of what we know. 
Uh, and yeah. they they talk about what um what they saw uh, when they were yeah. kids. So Sam and Caitlin are kind of saying, okay, we know she toys with her prey. She can change shape. Um, Sam's like, okay, uh, we'll start on that. We'll go off. But Dean cuts in and he adds that whatever it is keeps a nest. And this is very clearly news to Sam. Yeah. Yeah. A nest of trophies and a nest of bodies and yeah. Dean knows because he found it. He saw him. He saw it himself uh, yes. at that cannery, and um, and it, yeah, yeah. He's saying that not only did he see the bodies of these missing kids in that pile, but he suspects that they were kept there to be fed on. And mm-hmm. again, Sam is like, "Well, why didn't you say any of this at the time?" And Dean is pointing out, like. They were all about the same age as these kids. It was just, it was his first dead body, I'm assuming, that he's seen. And Dean even says, I've never seen anything like it before. Um, He shoved it down the old memory hole and has had (laughs) nightmares about it for the longest time. So like, this was a really formative thing that he saw. And it was so unspeakably horrific to him at the time that he just couldn't share it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, secrets. Um, secrets. Well, you know, Sam puts his understanding face number four on and <laughs> then says, no, no, I get it, Dean. And, you know, hell, we we used to keep a lot of secrets from each other, but mm-hmm. that's behind us, right, Dean? Exactly. He's implying it's different now. And Dean is just like sweating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to get another drink. <laughs> yeah. And, like, Dean does as much. He excuses himself. He's like, I'm going to go get us some grub while you guys hit the books. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A- and, yeah, this is very obviously Dean, like, you know, okay, you, you, you've, you know what you've done, Dean. You've got this weighing on you, and you, you're being told by the universe that um, you need to get your house in order, right? Right? <laughs> Very quickly here, yeah. We cut to the diner. Dean is ordering burgers. He's getting a veggie one for Sam, and he's doing due diligence about whether or not there's a healthy side option he can get with this (laughs) order. I know. I have to ask because my brother will yell at me if I don't, but do you have arugula? Maybe some kale? And this waitress is just like (laughs) dead-eyed. We have iceberg lettuce with ranch, and Dean's just like, bless. Yeah, okay, good. Good on you. Yeah. And so while the waitress leaves, um, we see Billy appear, and she has a question for Dean. What is he doing on a case now of all times that he could be doing something? And I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe Dean said exactly this at the beginning of the episode, but hey, I got a little indignant here. Billy, aren't you the holdup? Like, what (laughs) what are you doing? Like, uh, uh, aren't we all just kind of waiting on you here in your orders? (laughs) Like, what are we supposed to do? Just twiddle our thumbs until Chuck shows up? Apparently. 
Yeah, but the news Billy has is that Chuck is done destroying all the other worlds. Only their world is left. And it's basically the beginning of the end. There's no yeah. time to waste. Yeah, he he could, he's done with the other worlds and he could show up tomorrow. He could show up in a week, but when he does, there's no time left. She has already gone to the bunker to deliver to Jack his final instructions, which I'm like, seriously, we just did that off screen? Like, okay. It's awfully convenient for Billy because, like, we're going to see she has concerns about. Um, the Winchester's vehemence in following these plans. So it's mm. very smart of her to be like, mm, Jack's on his own. I'm going to go give him the final orders while there's no one there to meddle with this. Mm, mm. Yeah, but ja- um, but Dean kind of jumps on this to say, oh, yeah, yeah, um, y- you told Jack what he has to do to continue pumping himself with your fucking TNT... Uh, so he can blow himself up to mm-hmm. kill God in Amaro. So he's he. This is the moment. This is the moment, right? He is mm-hmm. telling Billy that he knows what she hid from them. Yes, and he wants to know how Billy got Jack to agree to doing a suicide mission. And this is the moment. This is the moment where I'm like, I'm, I'm I got my I got my hands up. <laughs> I, 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 I'm I'm four inches from the screen. I'm like, all right, all right. He's, he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna push back on her, and and, and just... then. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's really good though. It's it, it is. I, it, it's I just was... not Dean fighting back because essentially, like Billy has no bullshit to give here. She tells the truth. She said. This is the only way Jack is ever going to get your forgiveness for killing your mom. So when God's dead and you're free from this hamster wheel, you'll be happy, right? And, like, Dean can't oh disagree God. that that's what he wants. That was fucking crazy to me, though. I mean, Billy Billy says, no bullshit. She's like, well, no, Dean. I just told him the truth. I told him that the only way he was going to get your forgiveness is if... He died for this cause to free you from Chuck. And I'm like, Dean, she just told you that 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 she is manipulating Jack to kill himself in your name. And and I'm like, oh my god, Dean's gonna go off. And Ooh, then that's, he that's Oh my god. Oh my god. Because I didn't think of it that way. Like, I think of it as, like, the means to an end. This is the ending you want. Jack wants to give you that ending. And, I mean, this is how it comes about. Aren't you happy? She she said, I told him the truth. She told Jack that the only way, like, because all Jack wants is your forgiveness, is what she says. And, and I told him. That the only way he can do that is uh to 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 eliminate Chuck to free you from the hamster wheel, and that is like just imagine uh, like that that is exactly why 
Jack is doing this. He has been saying for the past three episodes that Sam and Dean can never forgive him and he has to do this. We didn't know what this is, but now we do. Yeah. And like, this is the only way he can make things right. And he's so earnest of a character to be like, self-sacrifice is worth it because of what I did. Like, oh my God, you are too much Cass's kid because. Yes. And, And this is exactly, this was this was so the reason why this was so so shocking as like through this conversation is because you and I and and all of the speculation for weeks has been um you know what is Billy's game mm-hmm. what is she hiding what is how is she manipulating our characters and mm-hmm. then and then Dean says, you know, Dean confronts her on it and she says, yep, yep, this is it. She laid it out. But instead of, but I think that the reason that she did that is because, is because she knew that this is the response that she was going to get from Dean, which is crazy to me. But like, that's where we are. And it's so good. But I'm like freaking out. Dean. <laughs> I, I said I said last week that with Dean and Amara um and 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 the plan against Chuck that it was a bit unclear on where Dean stood here with this with with killing Amara um and and he and I said that I th- think that Dean is taking exactly as hard a line on this issue, on this plan um, on killing Chuck as he's saying that he is. Like, he doesn't care that Amara's gonna die. I said it last week. And then this week I'm like, uh, but what? But but you also don't care that Jack is going to die? I, that's exactly I think that, what that's I not generous, though. Like, Dean says to Billy here that he doesn't have to like every step of the plan to want its end goal. So, like, he's saying, like, he has qualms with these things, but he's able to push it down the memory hole and stomach them to get the final result. And, like, I, I still feel like there's something that we haven't found out yet, which is, like, does Billy want this world without Chuck for a reason other than the altruistic part of her heart? Like, I know she says here, like, she likes things to be orderly. So is she just wanting Chuck gone because he throws wrenches into the works all the time? Or is there some greater thing behind it? That That is still a question. My biggest takeaway from this still is that this is her saying, I am manipulating someone that you care about in this way. Because it will end in Chuck's death. And well, to rephrase it, um, 
your kid has to die to make you happy. And you're yes. cool with that? Yeah, but she says, she says, that's what you want, right? And she asked that question because she knows the answer. And Yeah. But I think what, again, Dean wants is Chuck dead. He doesn't want Jack dead, per se, but he sees it as a necessary cost of business. Which is... Which is, like, exactly where we were going with Dean, I thought. Um, but it still shocked me in this moment. And I feel like he's not connecting to the cost. He is, he is deliberately just building this wall up against... What is it going to cost? What is it going to cost? We have Sam's doubts about Billy's motivations. We have Amara having to die for this. We ha And then now we have Jack having to die for this. And we don't see Dean experiencing any of that. We no. I, 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 I'm no. like, Remy, Remy, like, this is the Me. finale of season 14. This was, like, all that has changed from there is Dean has a new target. It's no longer Jack who needs to die for Mary. It's Chuck who needs to die. But Dean was willing to pay any price he had to in order to have that happen. Like, he was willing to take the equalizer gun and use it to kill Jack and thereby kill himself in order to get vengeance. I'm like, nothing has changed about Dean in that. And like, again, this is feeding into that character arc we have for him where his anger and his need for revenge is so all-consuming and he really needs to let go of it. Yeah, that, I, that is still definitely where we're going. We are definitely going to need to see this resolved with um, it all kind of catching up to Dean. Uh, because where where he's at now, I, I, I really do think that it's just all flying by him. He, mm, I think he's aware, but he is pushing it down. Okay, I think we're I think we're I think we're riding parallel lanes here. I think yeah. that we're on the same Okay. Okay. Billy Billy says that um Billy lays it all out on the table. This is what she told Jack. This is why she told Jack what she told Jack. And so Dean, do we have a problem? Dean can't say that they do. No, he can't really disagree. So we cut to Sam and Caitlin researching. Caitlin eventually is just like, okay, this is your life? Like, have you ever wanted mm -hmm. a normal life? But Sam kind of evades answering that by saying that they help people. Yeah. So with that out in the open, we go back to Billy and Dean, and she says she's not in the end part of the story per Chuck's death book. So it's all on Dean. And by extension, Sam. 
and by further extension, Cass. Yeah, and I really, I really, um, I think that there was something to be said about this exchange where Billy brings up Death's book, I mean, uh, brings up Chuck's book and says, this is the last that you're going to see of me until the very end. Uh, I'm not in this part of the story. Uh, And then Dean's like, all right, well, that's freaking dandy. But you know what? All right, cool. Yeah, here I am, messenger of God's destruction, uh, ready to serve. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he kind of threw it away, but I'm like, yeah, yeah, Dean, that's where you're at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got feelings, okay? <laughs> so does Dean. Do mm-hmm. we have a problem, Billy asks, aka, are there any qualms with this plan? And again, Dean says, no, he'll go with it, even if he hates parts of it. But Sam, on the other hand, he'll get there. But Billy pushes Dean to sort his shit out. And she says, I do not like disorder, so clean this up. And this was, you know, the uh, my first thought here was definitely something that you said last week, which is um, we have now the Winchesters, the sons of disorder, kicking back, you know, <laughs> be- they now know more than Billy wanted them to know because specifically because it, 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 she feels that they could throw everything out of whack. But, but Billy, Billy needs to know that Dean has his house in order that the fact that he's hiding this from Sam uh, is not going to to interfere with the end game here because she is saying we are in the end game. We are like like you said, V. We are in the final stretch, and you, the Winchesters, are not going to fuck this up. So I can't abide by by this current situation. So you need to you need to get your people in line. Um, I need to know that everyone is on board, not just you, Dean, everyone. Yes. So this is Dean's, you know, this is Dean now resigned to, uh, knowing that he's, he's got to, uh, he, he's, he's going to have to tell, uh, Sam and there can be no dissension in the ranks. Yeah, there's a pretty pressing timeline that he's now operating around. So like it or not, this is not a secret he can keep. Yep. So from the diner, we go back to the room where Sam has found mention of a supernatural figure called Baba Yaga, which is a witch that feeds on children's fears using hallucinations. And Caitlin connects the image of a ring like the picture of the Baba Yaga has this red ring and she's like, that's just like Travis's ring. And we find out Travis has fixed the stone on that ring just recently. And so while Sam is putting two and two together, Caitlin wanders off to go back to her car and check Travis's belongings for that ring. 
but it's missing from the chain that he kept mm-hmm. it around and um and this heart of the baba yaga that is uh connected to the ring um that was that may have been damaged when they were kids but mm-hmm. was but was not the death of the spirit uh uh is 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 missing from Travis's belongings and uh as as Caitlin realizes this she is uh attacked by a vision of Travis an adult Travis uh who who is a ghost of his post <laughs> post uh death self postmortem <laughs> yeah that's the that's the word yeah when she slams the trunk of the card the baba yaga in the form of her dead brother appears and has the ring in hand kind of like looking for this and mm-hmm lunges for her and we cut on Caitlin's blood curdling scream um back at the room Dean has returned with the food to find Sam solo and panicked because he's trying to call Caitlin she's not at her car she's not answering her phone she's not anywhere so he thinks that the Baba Yaga has grabbed her and he catches Dean up on where they are in the case yeah yeah and uh so the 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 ring is is the source of her power they need to find her uh she probably has caitlin and uh what are they what are they looking for they're looking for the nest and last time all of the attacks were kind of um uh, localized around the abandoned cannery but this time uh, the attacks are happening right here at the motel, so the nest can't be far. Yeah. So naturally, they say, let's split up. And Sam goes downstairs to check at the front desk while Dean is looking in the halls. Sam sneaks up to the front office. He sees some smoke. He hears these liquid sloshing noises behind the door. So he barges in, and it's the clerk Gwen currently hotboxing the office. Goodbye. <laughs> we have a, we have a fog machine in the storage closet, and splitting up is always a great idea. So Dean is going down one of the hallways. He's listening in, hearing some mm-hmm. pretty interesting um, nightly activities, uh, mm-hmm. and then he comes across room. 214 which you know creaks open all on its own (laughs) and why didn't they check 214 first but okay but and like dean's like i've seen this movie before my brother was like and you still walk in huh (laughs) right right the door creaks open he walks in it slams shut behind him he's like yeah yeah that's exactly what i expected to happen yeah i mean i can only imagine that's what he was thinking yeah and like he turns away from the door and the room has transformed back into that cannery from 27 years ago he's back um looking for that old nest and this time when he locates it and he opens it up 
the body that he sees in there is his dead baby brother. And Dean, adult, gasps, retreats, whispering Sam's name. Yeah, yeah, that that horrific vision that gave him nightmares for years seeing those dead children from before now we have sam as the victim of that that spirit yeah and um a bad scene gets worse (laughs) right right and while dean um is retreating from the nest that had haunted him for for so many years uh he is still in the vision of the cannery he is a attacked by that same vision of adult travis that caitlin saw yes this travis says his name dean fires his gun at it but it the figure is immune and he's like Again, asking, like, why are you going after us? You normally go after children. But she is looking for revenge on them, essentially. All those hungry years have passed and she's starving. And so she charges at Dean, knocks him down, and starts choking him. Right, right. And then Sam uh, is going down that same hallway uh, that we saw Dean going down, hearing the same uh, noises from the occupants that Dean was hearing. But he hears something different. He hears some uh, dis- very distinct sounds of a struggle. But yes. he's just like, kind of kind of like, what? What? The fuck is what? this? Yeah. What I don't I don't know I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take like two steps pause take two steps more I'm like Sam can you go any slower please God <laughs> we, we hear Dean struggling with the Baba Yaga in room two fourteen Sam is eventually going to investigate the noises yes. Um, he bursts into the room and and uh, we see Caitlin passed out on one of the beds and the Baba Yaga, not Travis and not the cannery, uh, had the Baba Yaga has, uh, Dean pinned to the floor and, uh, Sam stabs her in the back to distract her and, um, break Dean out of that hallucination that she had him trapped in. Yes. So with that stabbing, the witch retaliates on him, tossing Sam across the room, and it gives Dean just enough space to grab at the ring, kicks the Baba Yaga back, and then smashes the ring with the butt of his gun. And she goes up. Oh my god, yeah. I was like, this is like pretty good leverage for lying on the ground. Good on ya. (laughs) (laughs) I was also like, how do you repair a broken stone? Like, what What did... Glue! <laughs> sure, we'll go with that. I don't know enough about jewelry to be like, yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Smashing rock. We, we had Travis, we had Travis who had this busted up stone quote from Caitlin and but he just got it repaired just last week so uh, I guess the heart was restored yeah 
But at any rate, this witch goes up in green flames. She's dead for good. And Caitlin was awake to see this. They all breathe a sigh of relief knowing that this thing is gone. Right. Right. And now it's time to part ways. Yeah. So down in the lobby, Caitlin is thanking Dean for what he did. And, like, Dean finally fesses up that, you know, he's always scared on these type of cases. And Caitlin is saying, yeah, you really have changed. Like, your old self would have never admitted to being scared. Right. And what was before a negative, you know, you've changed, Dean, is now um, uh, Caitlin recognizing some growth, uh, some positive growth in in Dean. And I'm... Optimistic that this is signaling that we're going to see more change for Dean in what's left of this last season. Mm-hmm. Um, we get this pointed line about how lies don't make anything better, which is hitting Dean close to home. They hug and we get a final flashback to younger Caitlin and Dean um, exchanging numbers for an emergency, which she hopes she's never going to have to use. So, sorry, girl. That's not how this plays out. <laughs> also, does does do, does someone just simply keep a number from 1993? I was thinking about that. And I was like, maybe gave <laughs> Bobby's number. Because I imagine when Bobby passed, they kept those phone numbers because it was like a hunter hub thing. Has it redirect? Mm. Yeah. That's my sitting in my head. Because I was like, they didn't even have cell phones in this time. It had to have been a landline. <laughs> my my mother was selling pagers in 1993. There weren't no cell phones. Exactly. <laughs> You're not allowed to agree with me, B. You oh. have to fight. I see, I see, I see. Um, yeah, it was his car phone. They had it installed in Palo this whole time. We haven't seen it because it hasn't been relevant to the plot until this point. Right. But it's the car phone. That tracks. Yep, there yeah. you go. Um, we have baby Sam. He's all packed up, ready to go. Um, he is asking about the missing kids. Dean says he never found them, which we know is a lie. Um, John drives up, honks the horn in lieu of coming in to get his kids. Um, and Dean takes a final moment to assure Sam that they make a good team. He was going to say so something about here... the college, but yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, I, I was just going to say this here where he says, um, yeah, but we make a good team too. Uh, it, it comes back to this, this is this episode with these we chesters is taking place before uh, a number of the other uh, flashbacks to their childhood that we've seen before so uh when when dean is you know was really laying in on sam shutting down the college idea uh, or where here he seems to be tentative in in bringing Sam in to be like, uh, you know, but we made a good team, didn't we? 
it it is it is the beginning of a lot of things yeah for them yeah this is like dean reassuring sam that even though maybe he didn't have the biggest role in this hunt that they'd worked well together like laying that foundation of see this is good we can both do this mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah they were just very baby this episode very baby. yeah yeah a lot of tough times to come. Billy being mm. like, get your house in order. And I'm like, have these kids ever had their house in order? Like, this is the house <laughs> of chaos for the last 40 years. Ugh. Speaking Oof. of. <laughs> Speaking of. Sam and Dean are driving home. And Dean has to reveal Billy's bombshell. Plus Jack's um fate, which he has known for a while thanks to Cass. Yeah, yeah. It's time to face the music. And he reveals that Billy paid him a visit. We are now in the end game. It's go time. And also, Jack's gonna die. Yeah. And the way that he says it, I'm like, way to rip off the band-aid, Dean. I mean, he he, he just says, like, this is why I, I will continue, I will die on this hill. Dean's not... Dean's not feeling any of this. And Jack is going to die. He is going to die. Period. I just just disagree. I just disagree. But You're allowed. (laughs) Am I? (laughs) Dean is just getting it all out there. Like it it's hearkening to what Caitlin had said about, you know, like secrets don't make anything better. Sam has thought that they've evolved and thank God we're actually seeing it where the secret is kept for a full episode or less rather than a full season. But mm-hmm. Sam is furious that Dean hid this. And I'm like, Jack hid it too. But the thing is, is that Sam thought they were past this kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. This is just unbelievable to him to sam because um because after everything after everything we have dean again hiding something this big and dean i mean sam says as much how how could you hide something this monumental from me and um and dean says i didn't think you could handle it yeah, he's you... justifying his own decision making as being like he needed to supersede it so that they would stay a we, like this group collective mm-hmm. following Billy's orders. Mm-hmm. But then we had Billy saying, You're not a we until you're all on the same page. Mm-hmm. So that's that's why this conversation is even happening. But that's that's what but what Dean is saying is, you know, I didn't, I didn't think you can handle it. You, you always doubted Billy's plan. Mm-hmm. Then, then you, you know, with Amara, you started bringing up these ethical questions on on what needs to be done. But this has to be done. Uh, yeah, this like is we how need it to be free. To be. And uh-huh. like this is the way Billy says it's got to be. And. Sam is just struggling with this whole we don't get a choice. Like, again, mm-hmm. I'm like, you guys are team free will. Like, if anyone's going to find a different way, it's going to be you guys. But um, 
Sam's just saying, like, I, you expected me to just shut up and let Jack die, and he's rightfully furious about this. I really liked how uh, Jared and Jensen played this scene, this fight. I liked that it was Sam allowed to be angry and like so angry that when Dean tried to speak or even apologize, he was shutting it down. He's like, nope, don't want to hear it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think you said, you know, Sam is furious about this and he is. Uh, Sam says, so Jack's just supposed to die and I'm supposed to shut up about it. And Dean yells, yes. But then Sam yells right back no yeah no and that moment hit me so good on you know what is the conversation that they're having and this is uh dean trying to get his house in order and sam and cass saying no yeah this is not what's happening yeah, we see these rail tracks that Billy has laid for us, and we refuse mm-hmm. to board the train. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Dean's just like, choo-choo, motherfuckers. Like, you don't have to <laughs> like the fact that it goes through Detroit. We're going. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But I, I uh, again, I just loved how Jensen and Jared played this scene because it, it was so so genuine in in the acting to you know an actual fight in an actual like i i don't know i don't know i just thought it was really good it, it the the explosiveness of it really hit home for me on you know taking this moment seriously mhm so i liked it Mm-hmm. And and then when when Sam says no, I I no, this is not okay. I think that Dean also acknowledges is acknowledges, you know, how serious Sam is about this and how hurt he is. And um, did you read a shrewdness in Dean here? I don't know. At this point, I don't know if I'm projecting. Save me, B. <laughs> Save me. Like, I I don't think so. I'm I think I think it was like pulling a tooth. You know, he was just like, uh-huh. I gotta do it. I'm gonna get it out there, and then so be it. We have to move on. I don't. When 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 Sam's. Sam shut down the conversation. He says no. And we have a moment of quiet. And then Dean tries to say, look, just. But Sam says, no, no, just stop. This is like nothing is okay about this. Well, Um, yeah, because again, they're in the end game and Dean just threw a mm -hmm. curveball. And Sam's like, I don't even know if I can trust him if he's keeping Mm -hmm. secrets at this point. I agree with Sam. <laughs> uh, and then, and then, when he gets shut down there, Dean tries a different track and says, "Look, I'm sorry, but no, no." Sam says again, "Just stop." And yeah. that's that's how we end. And it's gonna be an awkward seven hour ride, but. <laughs> 
That's what you get. This is, yeah, yeah. And, oh, I'm like holding my hair. I'm just like, <laughs> this is fine. This is fine, B. Everything's I dig it. Okay. I dig it. Because <laughs> what we're seeing is this rupture. We're seeing that Jack and Dean are on board with what they have to do, reluctantly mm-hmm. or not. Like, I don't think either one of them wants to be doing it. But Dean is like, nope, we got to. And Jack is also, we got to. Whereas we have Cass and Sam as being the, like, fuck, we got to. And they're going to be chaotic bros and go to Death's Library and snoop through the books and see if they can do something (laughs) else. Did I not say? Did I not say? You did. You did. You did. I, I definitely... Uh, like I, th- I feel like we both got validation this week. I'm not happy about mine. I'm like <laughs> Dean, Dean, you okay, bro? But I, 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 I am now very behind um the the theory that next week we're we're gonna be heading towards uh Death's library, especially since um Death herself uh brought up again uh god's chuck's book yeah and and we're going to see uh now sam and cass uh you know they need to know what this plan is and i also think that they are checking if Billy's lying. Like, if they get in there and they find, like, 100 books for Chuck, then they're like, bitch, why did you pick this one, you know? hmm So that's, that's why I'm like, point. I think that there's still more at play for Billy's story here. I don't think that this is her having everything out on the table. She always has one more card close to the chest. Oh, definitely. Definitely. When I said that she was laying it out, she was definitely not laying everything out. Mm -hmm. This was her, this was her, uh, this was a straight up and down manipulation. Yeah. Um, Yeah. This is again, I need you to stand in line and are you going to do it? Mm Mm-hmm. 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 So, so what's your, what's your final takeaway, B? I'm still looking at this episode in juxtaposition with last episode, and I like how we, again, got the highlight on the fact that Dean's pursuit of revenge is costing him everything, and I am excited how this episode kind of, once again, put that under the spotlight and how that is going to shape up with the four episodes we got left, so... That's where I'm at with this one. It was fun seeing mm-hmm. the Weechesters. It was fun seeing the Baba Yaga. I kind of like how it was almost like a djinn in that it could manipulate your visions and it fed off of its victims. But ultimately, I'm here for the characters and I'm really interested in the way that Dean's anger is still getting the highlight. So that's it for me. Yeah. Yeah, for the Baba Yaga, uh, I uh, it it gave me um, a lot of African dream root vibes, mm-hmm. where she was digging into the nightmares of her victims. Um, so, 
Final takeaways. Yeah, what's final your takeaways? final I think takeaway? That, I think that my final takeaway is um is the fact that death this episode uh made a play to recruit Dean to her side. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's it feels like a curious step for her because she's not usually someone who needs to I won't say plea, but almost like pleading with Dean. I don't I mean my my biggest thing and we we have come back to it again and again, but with when the empty said I'm not on your side, I'm not on his side, I'm on death's side. Where where, where is Dean now? on death's side i we we had that schism that you talked about you know we have we have um Cass and Sam and then Dean and Jack who who are going along with this plan um and the the only thing the only thing that is just huge for Dean here i think is the the difference is because I said last episode, oh, we're playing the sacrifice play again. It's always the sacrifice play. But at least for Dean, when was the last time that someone else was up on the cho- chopping block that wasn't Dean himself? That Dean was just okay with it. I know. We we had him say last episode that Amara, okay, at least this time it's Amara and 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 chuck and it's not us well now jack is up there too and he hasn't changed his stance even the littlest bit if it was sam if it was Cass, if it was mary would he be okay with it we're gonna see yeah i'm freaking out i'm freaking out it's fine (laughs) obviously this is my final takeaway obviously (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that was season 15, episode 16. Drag me away from you. That was very off tune, wasn't it? I, you know what? I heard it. I heard it. I heard Thank the drums you. in the you distance. You felt it? You felt it? I did. Good. I did. I did. And. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm sorry. Four episodes left, y'all. Yeah, and I have the feeling it's going to be really gearing up. I don't know about next episode, but we'll see. I'm curious how it's going to go. Season 15, episode 17. 17 of 20. Episode 17. Unity. 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 How about that for a title? (laughs) Uniting. (laughs) Uniting. Right. Right. We'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Holy crap. Guys, catch up with us on Tumblr, Twitter, our website. Reach out. Leave us a review on iTunes or Google or wherever you get your podcasts. We see everyone. We love everyone. Uh, we appreciate it if you just drop us uh, some stars. Uh, and and we love catching up with you guys every week. We're having lots of fun, obviously. Obviously. Thank you for joining us this week. We will see you next week. And stay oh, safe and we'll see you then. <laughs> and we'll see you then. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.
Bye.